What an awesome God we serve. Hallelujah. Whatever, whatever you have need of, I can just guarantee you right now, God is good. He's faithful. He has made provision for you and me. I, I, I hope it's okay for me tonight to put my teaching hat on. I just feel like uh, God's put something on my heart to share with you. And, and, and I don't know if any preach will come out of it, uh, but I, I definitely want us to get this revelation, this understanding because God keeps saying, my people, for lack of knowledge, for lack of understanding, they're perishing. And I want them to know, I want them to know this truth. So we're going to just put our little teaching hat on and let's get our ears open and, and receive what God has uh, for us. I, I feel like I'm being obedient to the Spirit of the Lord. And if the Lord's working in and through me, He's working in and through you so that He's going to do what He wants done here this evening. Amen? And for everybody tuning in, how about let's welcome them. We've got folks tuning in all over uh, many states and even other countries. So I, I keep getting a message from Germany saying welcome from Germany. Uh, get some from uh, other places as well. Uh, Somebody usually in on from South Carolina. Isn't that another country? You know, <laughs> they speak a different language. I used to speak that language and folks joked me when I moved here and said, where did you come from? And... Uh, and uh, just like they asked Pastor Rodica, where's your accent from? You know, where are you from? They would ask me the same thing. So it's all good. It's all good. I love my roots and thank the Lord for the good food that I was able to eat growing up. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Uh, so we're going to study God's word tonight. And the Lord just was showing me the importance of the word, understanding the word, understanding the intent of the word. Uh, Hebrews 4 and 12 says, that the Word of God is alive. The Word of God is quick, it's alive, it's powerful. It's uh, sharper than a double-edged sword, the Bible is. The Word of God is. Piercing even the dividing of spirit and soul. Going into bone and marrow. Going into even the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So intent is important, and the Word of God can help us on the intent. <clears throat> so what we want to look at tonight is the intent of the word. Now, now, intent, if you were to look at its definition, the definition is a determination to perform a particular act or to act in a particular manner for a specific reason. It goes on to say an aim or a design, a resolution to use a certain means to reach an end. The intent. What is the intent of the heart? What is the intent in, your, in, 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 your, in the depth of who you are for what you're doing. And, and uh, we just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our hearts to receive and believe as our minds to understand your word tonight. Lord, this revelation, let it be an illumination unto us in such a way that we can make it application in our walk as we leave here tonight. For Lord God, we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful. And Lord, we need your word, but we also need to understand the intent of your word as you've given me instructions to share tonight. So I pray, Holy Spirit, you would use me to deliver this teaching in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, if we were to go into a court of law, and I pray that you don't have to, but only for observation's sake, uh, you can prove, you have to prove the intent of the law. Of the law. 
you understand that the intent of the law is as important as sometimes the law itself. If you would listen to a criminal trial or even tort uh, in, in, in contracts and so forth, you will find that they are looking to prove what the intent of the law is. In many crimes, the intent is, and, and, and not the results, is the what's regarded. So sometimes if you look at just the results, there may be a punitive uh, penalty that comes in, but when they look at the intent that was behind that, it changes everything. That's true even in contract between people. Uh, the intent of the contract can be uh, the most important part of the contract. Under certain circumstances, the intent could be more important than that which is even in the writing. Uh, I, I got my law degree from Judge Judy and People's Court, and uh, it may not get me very far in life, but I enjoy uh, hearing and seeing and, 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 and learning the application of the law and the intent of the law. And, and all of this it does not mean that the contract wouldn't be valid, but what they do is they look at the intent and see why it was written, and they go to the intent rather than maybe some of the syntax in itself. Even a handshake can be a binding contract if the two individuals understand the intent of that handshake. So when it comes to understanding the Word of God, which is our life, which is our plumb line, which is our rock that we build our lives upon, we must search for the intent of the Scripture. The Lord was just sharing with me. I was just praying and, and I said, Lord, I thank you for your word. Your word works. We've got to learn to work your word because it works. And, and he says, but you must understand the intent of my word. And when you understand the intent of my word, you won't get bogged down in some of the, the legal ease of my word, but you'll understand my heart behind why I said what I said. And when you know my heart behind it, you'll have faith to believe it and receive it. So it's like God was saying a lot of people don't receive what God's Word gives us and promises us because we don't understand the intent of it and we may be interpreting it or seeing it contrary to what God really means, right? So, so He wants us to get to the intent of the Word. So we've got to interpret Scripture with Scripture. We understand that that is very, very important, but we must also understand the context of the Scripture but also we have to understand the intent of the Scripture. And the intent of the Scripture is many times found in the context of the Scripture, and you will find it fulfilled being interpreting Scripture with Scripture. Now that's a lot of talk to say this, that, that you can get so focused uh, on the tree that you're not seeing the forest. And you're describing the tree... And God says, I've given you the forest, and you, you're not, you're, you've got one of what I've given you maybe millions of. You're not receiving it because you're so stuck and focused on one thing. So when we come to the Word, we can't get so focused on one little spot uh, that, that maybe we're missing the intent of what God is saying. We've got to step back and see what His intent was behind the Word so that we can believe the Word, receive the Word, work the Word, and watch the Word work in our life. This is, this is something I have a conviction of. If there's a part of the Word that's not working, the Word is not broken. It's not the Word of God that's broken. Right? Do you believe that? If God says something, 
You see that's revelation. You see that's intent. You see the Scripture interprets the Scripture with that, but you're not experiencing that. Mankind over the ages, uh, because of a religious spirit, has always tried to go in and dilute and change and, 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 and bring a different angle of teaching to excuse for why the Word's not working. And I believe that much, much of Christendom is missing out on the supernatural a presence and power and flow of the Spirit of God in our day-to-day lives because we have done just that. And I want us to get back to the Word, see the Word for what the Word is, for the intent of the heart of the Father who's given us the Word and Jesus who brought us the Word and for us to believe the Word so that we can receive the Word, that we might walk in the Word and see the manifest of the Word in our day-to-day lives. Not just for emergencies, not just for a situation where there's no other way out. I believe God wants the flow of His miracle power and His presence in our lives on a daily basis. He's not a crisis God only. He's not an ER God only. He, he is not a you know, fire escape God only. He's a God who loves us. He's a God who's given us everything, even the hair on our head. He's given us the breath that we breathe. He has given us the very life that we live, and He wants to be involved And for him to be involved is miraculous because he's a miraculous God. You cannot confine him. You cannot press him down. You cannot pressure him into a small place for he is God. Hallelujah. So what we want to do is invite him into our small place of a life so that it can expand and we can live an abundant life, an overflowing life like he's called us to live. See, you can take two different scriptures or one scripture and you can take it two different ways uh, because of what Adam did in the garden. See, Adam chose the knowledge of blessing and calamity, the Bible says. The word interpreted correctly is a blessing. Otherwise, what you believe could produce calamity in your life. And I believe much of Christendom is, is having to tolerate and process calamity in our life because of faulty beliefs. Because of faulty beliefs. And we believe it's what God wants. We believe it's the heart of God, but it's not. Because we've not gotten to the intent of the Word. We've not studied it out. We've not, if, if, if it was a challenge and it didn't seem to line up with our experiences, we made our experiences change the Word rather than the Word change our experiences. I'm here to tell you the facts that are given to us may be reality, but facts can never change the Word of God, but the Word of God can change the facts that are a reality. So what we have to do is by faith, and because it's a faith exchange, we have to believe what the Word says to bring the Word into our factual circumstances so that it can be overwritten and overpowered and changed for the glory of God. But if we don't believe, we won't bring the Word that has the power to change our facts. Our facts can't change the Word, but our word, the Word of God can't change our facts if we don't have faith to bring the Word into our current circumstance and situation. The Bible says that Adam and Eve, they failed in this respect because they brought evil into the earth. In Genesis 2, 16 and 17, And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. That's what God told them. Don't eat of that tree, the knowledge of good and evil. 
Well, we see in chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, gave also to her husband that was there with her, and he did eat. And verse 7 says, And the eyes of them were open. In other words, they could eat freely of all of the blessings, but stay away from the calamity. It was never God's intent for them to take of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It was not. He told them, don't do that. So if they would have obeyed the Lord, they could have continued, if they had obeyed the word of God, they could have continued, uh, continued in the blessing of the Lord. But because they went against the word of God, they received what God had said would come upon them. See, if you receive the word of God in the context and the intent to which it was written, it will always be a blessing. God does not have a hidden curse. He will tell you what will bring curses into your life. He'll tell you how the enemy works. He will, he will disclose those things to you. It's not God's plan to get you in calamity. For instance, the Bible says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Now, it's not God's intent that anyone should be damned. The Bible interprets Scripture with Scripture. It's God's will that none should perish. So we know that latter part is not the intent of God upon any living soul. No man, no woman, no child should be damned. But the Word does say we must believe and be baptized to be saved and to believe not to be damned. So if you decide that you're going to go with the believe and be saved route, then there's blessing. Hallelujah. But if you decide not to believe, and as a free moral agent, you have free will, you can decide to do that, then damnation comes. Curses come because you're doing, you're, you're doing what God said not to do. So you can believe what Jesus said and cause the blessings to come into your life, or you can choose not to believe and reap the negative things that come because of your disbelief. Now, 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 if we would uh, uh, look and turn our back on the truth of God and refuse the knowledge of God, no matter how much God wants us to be blessed, if we don't choose to believe to receive it, the blessing is not ours. That goes against that intent that says, well, if God wants me blessed, then he'll bless me. If God wants me healed, he will heal me. If God wants me delivered, he'll deliver me. That is false teaching. That is not theology that lines up with the Word of God. Because the intent of that, if God, it's up to God. If God wants me to be blessed, then He can bless me. But if I'm not blessed, well, then God must want me to live a cursed life. Now you have no faith to reach in and bring the abundant blessings that Jesus has provided for us. We cannot bring it in because our faith is not going to reach out because we're believing the intent of God's heart incorrectly. Do you see what I'm saying? Uh, question of intent we see in the Scripture, John's uh, Gospel. Let me just give you an example of that. Uh, chapter 9, the, uh, the Bible says that Jesus was passing by and he saw this man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? Did this man or his parents that he was born blind? He's blind. Who was it that caused his blindness? Was it the sin of him? Or was it the sin of his parents? So the intent of the question is somebody had to sin the parents or the baby before he was born because if he was born blind and he had to be sinning in the womb, I reckon, uh, who was the one who sinned? Because they believed that everything 
They believe that God caused everything that happened. There again is false theology. We cannot, I know there is the doctrine of the sovereignty of God, but in the sovereignty of God, he decided that he would give because of a love relationship that necessitated upon the fact that we had free will and he didn't want a bunch of robots here on this earth. He wanted a relationship offered to us so he gave us free will that even with Adam and Eve, they could choose to obey or disobey. Even though he gave full disclosure, disobedience will do this. The enemy wants to come in and he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He don't, I don't want you to do that but I've got to give you a choice in order for us to have a love relationship. So here, in this day and age, they believe that God caused everything to happen. So if this man was blind, born blind, then it was God caused it because either God was putting blindness on him because of his sin or his parents' sin. So they're asking God, which one, which one? Now, now Jesus could have responded with four different answers to their question. He could have said it was the man's sin or he could have said it was the parent's sin, or he could have said it was both of them at fault, or he could have said neither. Those were four of responses he could have come up with. And with any one of those statements, he would, you know, he would have provided an answer to their question. But in verse 3, if you'll follow on in chapter 9, he answers their question, and he says neither. So he came up with that answer, and he could have put a period there and that would have been sufficient to their question. Uh, but their question, you know, he had more to say because he wants to explain the intent of what's going on here. And, and, and to us today in the 21st century, their question may sound foolish. After all, how can a child sin in his mother's womb? I mean, how can that happen? Uh, but there was a religious sect of this day and age, and that's where understanding the context of this, that believed that a child could sin before they were born. And that's the reason the disciples was asking this question. So you can see the mental attitude of some of the religious folks that were around Jesus. It was their belief that God had made this man born blind for one reason or another. Now, before we throw stones at them in this 21st century, you know, I hear a lot of that today. I hear a lot of that today. I hear a lot of people say, well, God gave me this for a reason and it's going to humble me and it's going to make somehow another he's going to get glory out of it or, you know, I just got to you know, learn to live with it. They have that same mindset. So we, we're going to look uh, further into what Jesus' answer was to see what the intent of the word was. So here Jesus says, neither has this man sinned nor his parents. In other words, uh, he said, you're wrong on both accounts there. Uh, it wasn't either one of them, but that the works of God should be manifest in him. I must work the works of him that has sent me. Now, now, now let's find the intent to, the, to God's intent to these words. Uh, at, like I said, we got to inter interpret the Bible literally when we can, but we, there's places we can't interpret the Bible literally. Now, some people just lost your wig, you lost your dentures, you lost your shoes on that. Please hold on. Okay. Here, literally, Jesus said, neither of them have sinned. It was, this is not because neither one of them has sinned. Now, we know that's not what literally he was saying because Romans 3 and 23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, literally, he wasn't saying that none of them have ever sinned. He was just saying the answer to your question is that his blindness has not, is not there because uh, they have sinned. 
So, so Jesus goes on and he says, so he's looking, and, and, and this is why I want to see the intent of this, because he's saying it's not the man's sin, it wasn't the parent's sin. So he goes on in this next statement and he reveals the intent here. He says in verse 3 and 4, he says, but that the works of God should be manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can work. Now, in other words, they were wrong in their assessment of the ma this matter, and there's no indication that God had anything to do with this man being born blind. But in order for the works of God to be manifest in the blind man, Jesus said, I've got to work the works of God. So the blindness, he's saying, is not of my father. This is not of God. Uh, I'm come to do the works of my father and destroy the works of the enemy. Did he not say, as we interpret Scripture with Scripture, he says, I'm on assignment. Satan's come to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come to come against that and bring abundant life. So, so he says, I've come to do the works of my Father, and this blindness is not of my Father, so we're going to come and correct this, which the enemy has meant for evil. Hallelujah. I must work the works of God, revealing that blind, this blindness was not of God. Now, there again, John 10 and 10, the thief comes but not to kill, steal, and destroy. We can't, I, our kids laugh at me all the time. I'm always on John 10 and 10, but it's so uh, plain. It's so it, revelatory. It just, it's where the enemy tricks us up on the simplest things. And, and here we see that Jesus says, the thief comes but to kill, steal, and destroy. God is not come, Jesus is not come, the Holy Spirit is not come to kill, steal, and destroy, but the thief, that's what he does. But I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly. I was recently asked, uh, as I was making uh, some points in a sermon about uh, our God is a healing God and the works of the devil that uh, Jesus came to work against. Jesus said that we would do greater works than that uh, after he's given us his Holy Spirit and he's gone to the Father and that we are to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover and that we're to cast out devils, the Bible says, and, and, and no deadly thing that the enemy brings against us shall prosper because we've been given authority over all the power of the enemy and we should see all sickness and all infirmity, we should see it as an attack of the enemy that war is on, war is on, the fight is on, and we're not going to accept it, we're going to fight against it. Now, if, you had a, if I had a, a doctor here that understood the terminology of the biology of our body and could explain it in, in layman terms, they would tell us that everything that ever tries to come against a healthy body, that the body, and they could explain how the white blood cells, and they could explain how things rush in, and you get a cut, and it rushes in, and he, they could tell you what is secreted to stop the bleeding and, and to scab it off and to keep the blood in instead of letting it pour out. And then these uh, white blood cells come, and they fight off any infection. So the body was created in the image of God. So we see that the intent of God, and even in the creative order of us and even animals, is that uh, when and even the earth, the earth as well, there was an oil tanker that was off the Gulf of Mexico, and if we, I'm not an oil tanker, but uh, one of the, the rigs there, and if you remember just a number of years ago, it was like, man, our ocean will never be the same with uh, the, the millions and millions or billions of gallons of, of crude oil, but they, they said that miraculously, they, I heard one uh, 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 
one of those that do the studies on it, they said, we don't know where it went. We, now, immediately when it was floating and, yeah, it was affecting animals and stuff, but they're like, it was so many billions of gallons, we don't know where it went. Now, I'm telling you, God has created us that if you get a bruise, you don't live with that bruise the rest of your life. The body begins to work. Uh, someone had a bullet in them, and, and uh, the doctor said, we can't do surgery because... You know, my father even had got shot in the neck and up in the brain, and the, and, and, and the body expelled the bullet over time. Said so this foreign thing, it begins to move it through the tissue, move it. Doctors are so afraid because it's so close to the brain stem that they won't go in and touch it. But the hand of God says, This body's created my image, we've got to get rid of it. And next thing you know, it falls out. There it is. Huh. I'm telling you, there's some of you that even had experiences like that because our body is just created by God to heal itself. That's the, that's the intent of God. God is not one that puts sickness on us. He's trying to get us well. He wants us well. So someone came to me, and it was a great question. I appreciate them. They had the same bad teaching growing up that I had growing up, that what about Paul and his thorn in the flesh? What about that? Well, what about it? Let's look at it. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 and following. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. Paul says, I've gotten revelations beyond anything that any man has ever gotten, and I'm writing it. He's writing most of the New Testament. He is making such an impact. He says that, he says, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. And he tells us, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what the thorn is, but we miss it. We miss it. So that we take this and say, God gave Paul a thorn in the flesh, and he, had to, he prayed three times for it to be removed. God said, nope, my grace is sufficient. You need it. You need it. You'd be puffed up if you didn't have it. So really, that's like, wow, so if I've got a sickness or disease, maybe I'm that great. Maybe I'm up there with Paul. I've got such revelation to go beyond even the revelation of John and the revelation of Mark and the revelation of Luke. And man, Luke wrote the book of Acts. But yet I've got revelation even greater than him. So maybe that's why I got sickness in my body. It's my thorn in the flesh. Well, let me tell you what. That's not the intent of what God's Word says. But if you believe that is, you will not have faith to believe and receive or your healing. You won't. You may say, well, that sounds good, but maybe this is that thorn in it. Maybe I've been given such revelation like the Apostle Paul that I need sickness from God to keep me humble. And that, that theology gets in us, and the next thing you know, because of that mindset, we are not going from the head to the heart to have the faith to believe, to receive the simple truth that by my stripes you are healed. God says healing. Jesus says, do you think I allowed them to beat me on that post near to death, exposing my lungs and exposing my kidneys and exposing my, 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 my bones uh, to, to just for the fun of it or just for a few of you? He said, by my stripes you are healed. And Peter tells us post-resurrection that we were healed by his stripes. This is a done deal. But if you don't believe the intent of the word is that, you won't have faith to believe to receive the word. And the word, let me tell you what, the word works, but we got to learn to work the word. You won't work the word to see the word work because you're not believing the word to receive the word to step into it. So we've got to understand the intent of the word. 
So he says, Paul says, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan. A messenger of Satan. So who do you think that Satan would send out? Or do you think God would send a messenger of Satan or would Satan send a messenger of Satan? He's a messenger of Satan. If I'm a messenger of Pastor Odika, I'd come to you and say, Pastor Odika sent me, I'm her messenger and whatever. She needs you to be at such and such meeting or whatever. So here's a messenger sent of Satan, not of God. But if you understand this as if it's from God, then you won't have faith to believe. So he came from Satan, this messenger, to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So basically, what uh, God is telling him is the whole purpose of the victory of Calvary is so that you can come against the gates of hell. He says on earth, there's spiritual warfare. There's warfare. You're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but these are principalities. This is the messenger, son of Satan, principalities, powers, and, and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places coming through flesh coming through those that are buffeting you, coming through those that are getting the crowds turned against you to get you stoned to death, coming against you to have you having to hide and, and, and be let out down on a basket on the backside of the wall to get out of the city before they kill you. There's someone always starting a riot against you. He's a messenger of Satan, and they're trying to kill you. And how many times was Paul beaten? How many times was Paul imprisoned? How many times was Paul stripped and shackled? Because of this messenger that was always rioting against him and because of those attacks, there was some physical hardship that Paul went through. But it was a messenger of Satan. It was a messenger of Satan and he's praying God. It'd be like us praying God, uh, you know, uh, take, the, take the devil out of the earth. And God says, I have a plan and that they will come and he will, you'll laugh at him when he is cast into the eternal abyss. But until then, there's a plan. And this is part of the plan, that there's good and evil. There's good and bad, but the good has been given the victory ahead of time if you have faith to believe and see it manifest. I want you to kick in the gates of hell. I want you to put on the whole armor of God and stand against the wiles of the devil. God didn't, Paul was praying against the very plan where God, Paul was saying, stop the fiery darts. Stop this. I don't want us to put on the armor of God and stand. God says, look, that's what my grace is for. That's what the anointing is for, for you to stand and show the others that no matter what the devil throws against you, you're going to come above it. You're going to come over it. You're going to come through it victorious. Yes, there's a whiny little kid in all of us that says, I don't like this and I don't want this. But there's a warrior in us as well that says, wait a minute. The devil is defeated. The devil is not going to have a victory in my life. So he says this, therefore I will gladly rather, Paul says, I will now rather boast in my infirmities. If the devil comes against me and causes sickness to come against me, look, the power of Christ is going to be manifest. So if, if, and that should encourage any and every one of you that's been hit by the devil with any sickness. Now there is a setup for the power of Christ to manifest. There is a healing testimony right there. There's a healing testimony right there. 
So now, if you didn't have this, you would say, I just got to live with the sickness. It's going to take me out early. I won't live the full life. And the, and the devil wins. But no. Paul says, the devil came. They, they tried to kill me. They put me in that rancid prison with open swords. And infection came. But the power of God healed my body and brought me up and out of that prison. And I was free. Hallelujah. So he says, so I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He says it's when I can't do it, the miracle power of God does it. Hallelujah. The attacks come from Satan. The infirmities, the reproaches, the needs, the persecution, the distresses all come from Satan. But the healings and the promotions and the provisions and the deliverances and the blessings come from Christ, the anointing of God. Now that should encourage us. But the enemy doesn't want you to see the intent of the word. And rather than being encouraged by that word, you get a faulty intent and understanding of the word, lose faith in the word, and now you're not working the word to see the word working through your life. We've got to look at the intent of the word. God's word is God's will. They're the same thing. There are some who say God gives us sickness. Just suck it up and receive it for the glory of God. That's not what the Word of God says. Psalms 107, verse 20. He sent His Word and healed how many? Come on, you shout better than that, you Pentecostal. Healed all! When you say all, I want you to cover all of your family. Any sickness will ever come against your family. I want you to cover your own body. I want you to cover it by faith, saying all, okay? How many, how many did He heal? All their diseases, delivering them from their destruction. So Matthew 8 and 16, when evening had come, they brought to him many, Jesus, many people they brought to him who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed how many? All who were sick. But, but when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them how? All the Bible says, Luke 6 and 19. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him, and he healed, how many? All of them. Come on now. And we could go on and on and on and on. And Jesus says, what you've seen me do, you're going to do greater even when the Holy Spirit is in you. And there's still some that will say, this, this man was born blind. So God would get glory out of his healing. God's not schizophrenic. He is not schizophrenic. He is not needing to, to, to punish some, I mean, uh, to, you might would say, be cruel to somebody to show how good he is. Okay? His word reveals that his will here on earth lines up with his will that is in heaven. And we're to pray that his, his will in heaven be done on earth, Right? Is it God's will that this man be blind in heaven? No. So it's not God's will that this man be blind on earth. Is it God's will that you be sick in heaven? No. So it's not God's will for you to be sick on earth. Is it God's will for you to be broke, busted, and disgusted in heaven? No. And it's not his will for you to be broke, busted, and disgusted on this earth. Is it God's will for you to be bound in heaven? No. And it's not God's will for you to be bound here on earth. The answer is obvious. So in John 9 and 4, Jesus reveals the intent when he said, I must work the works of him that sent me. 
And he went on to verse 6 and he says, When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and there made clay of the spittle and anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Now picture this. Jesus, who at that, that point was not very popular among the religious leaders. And when you preach what I'm preaching tonight or teach what I'm teaching tonight, you don't become very popular among religious spirits. I can tell you that right now. So here is Jesus. He's spitting on the ground. He makes a mud cake and he puts it on the blinded man's eyes and he says to him, go and wash uh, in the pool of Siloam, which means, you know, the, the interpreted means sin. So he went away there and washed and the Bible says he came back seeing. Huh. Jesus really knows how to show forth his great power. And remember that Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me. So who sent Jesus? Obviously, Father God, right? So he was here to do the will of the Father on the earth. And when he's doing the work of the Father and it's manifest in this man, the man's eyesight is restored and he could see. And this reveals that the blindness was not from God, that God was coming to reverse the curse. Remember Jesus, you know, he... He, he teaches us that we've got to pray that way. We've got to believe that way, that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And got to take out this mindset that God makes some people blind and gives some people cancer and he cripples other people just so that he can get some glory. Let me tell you what, we can come in here and we can, say, we can ascribe glory and honor to God through our praise and worship. That's how God wants the glory, that God wants us to come united together corporately and worship him and praise him and, and, and ascribe honor and, and, and power unto his holy name. He didn't have to make somebody crippled in order to get some glory. If, if that were true, I mean, even the wicked would call that child abuse. That I'm going to break my child's leg. I'm going to put cancer in my child so that, you know, there's a, I forget the name of it, but there's a, a, a sickness, a mental sickness where parents make their children sick and always look like they're there saving them and so forth. That's not God. That's not who he is. And we know from the scripture that God is the giver of what? All good and all perfect gifts. So God is not the giver of bad gifts. He's not the giver of bad things. James said it in 1, 6 and 7, 16 and 17, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Hallelujah. So, so don't blame God for the problems and the tragedies that happen here on earth because they are curses that Satan released in the earth through the fall of man. That is so scriptural. We need to not only know it as the word, we need to believe it in our heart. And Jesus has come to redeem us from the curse, the Bible says, and make provision for us for an abundant life. He even chose to hang on a cross because he says anyone who hangs on a tree, a curse comes upon him. So Jesus could not disqualify his blood, which was sinless, to cleanse us, wash us, redeem us. So he could not take a curse upon him by violating the will of the Father and sinning. So he lives a sinless life. But he had to get the curse off of us. He could have said, I'm going to shed sinless blood. They can be forgiven, and in heaven they can be healed. And in heaven they can walk in power. And in heaven they can walk on streets of gold, need, and, and, and lack will never be a part of their life. He could have said that. 
But he says, I want them in heaven, but I want them to demonstrate heaven on earth while they're still living here. So i got to get this curse off of them. With the curse, they can't demonstrate heaven on earth. With a curse, they cannot usher in the will of heaven on earth. They can't do it. i got to get the curse off of them. I can't sin to get the curse off of them on me, but I can hang on a tree because Father, Son, and Holy Ghost got together early on and had it written in the law that if anyone hangs on a tree, a curse comes. They didn't have to sin, could be falsely accused, but if he hangs on a tree, even before anybody had ever thought about, ever knew about, ever had seen a crucifixion, they are talking about a crucifixion. And they're saying, if a man hangs on a tree, the curse will come upon them. And you know Galatians 3, 13 and 14 as well as I do, because he's redeemed us from the curse of the law. He's redeemed us from that, and he took it off of us because he hung on a tree. For cursed is he who hangs on a tree. And verse 14 says, so that... He could get the curse off of us, but so that he could get the blessing on us. The blessing of Abraham. Hallelujah. You can be blessed coming in, blessed going out. All that boils of the skin and cancers and, and all that uh, lack and all of that uh, famine and all that stuff. No, the curse is off. The curse is off. The blessing is on. He wants to get the blessing on you. He wants the healing flowing through your veins. He wants deliverance flowing through your spirit. He wants your heart to be healed. He wants your mind to be healed. He wants your emotions to be healed. He wants you prospering where you've got an abundance and an overflow where you're having to seek counsel from him where to put it all in the kingdom and how to take care of it as a good steward he wants you blessed in abundance he says abundant means overflow hallelujah so i i'm not going to let experiences and i'm not going to let religious talk i'm not going to let seminary I'm not going to let Bible college, I'm not going to let articles written from people with blinders on their eye come against the intent of the Word of God. The intent of the Word of God is that you're healed. The intent of the Word of God is that you're free. The intent of the Word of the God is that the curse is off of you and the blessing is on you. God is not happy if the curse is just lifted. He's happy when the curse is lifted and the blessing has been deposited where you're experiencing the blessing of God. And people can be crippled in their prayer life if they don't know and understand the will of God. It's imperative that we know God's will before we pray. It's imperative that we know His heart before we pray. Because it's impossible to pray the prayer of faith if you don't know God's will. Because faith comes from knowing His will and being fully persuaded of it. Before you see it, you know it's His heart. You know it's the intent. You know this is what he means. And now you're going to stand on it. Nothing's going to stop you. You may stand on it and get weaker and weaker, but you're going to stand on it because you know the anointing's going to bring you through it. The anointing's going to restore. The anointing's going to give you the victory. The anointing's going to break through. You don't know when. You don't know how. You don't know when, but you know he is. You know he's going to do it. So you're not backing down. You're not backing down. And the devil says you're getting weaker and weaker. And you can just say what Paul says. It wasn't about my flesh anyway. It's about the Christos, the anointing. He says when I am weak uh, in Christ, in his anointing, 
anything. Uh, he makes me strong. So Paul didn't say, in my weakness, God's strong. No. He said, in my weakness, the anointing showed up and made me strong. The anointing got me out of that prison. The anointing got me off of that whipping post. The anointing got me up from under that pile of rocks when they left me as dead and I went on the Lystra and preached the Word of God. He said it was the anointing that did it. The devil was trying to kill me, but the anointing in my weakness, the anointing showed up and showed out. Hallelujah. So don't give up. Never, never give up. Don't back down. Don't let go. This is what the Word says. I know the intent of the Word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, when Jesus says, you know, Satan is the one who comes to kill still in Israel, we got to draw the line. Jesus has come to give us this abundant life. I mean, that gives us insight in who is behind our problem. It's not God. Don't let your faith be watered down to think maybe God is doing something here. Yes, you can believe God is going to do something. He is going to show himself strong and mighty in and through the, your weakness. Hallelujah. Because you're going to stand on his word and his word works if you will work the word. Amen. I encourage you to search the scriptures until you know the intentions of what your heavenly father is saying to you. Search it, search it until you know because once you know, there's a knowing of the mind and there's a knowing of the heart. And the knowing of the mind can juggle facts and, and, and take syntax and argue with uh, whether this verb is of this tense or that tense. But let me tell you what, you can meditate upon it to the point where, wait a minute, this, this knowing of the head becomes a knowing of the heart. I believe it. This is God's word. I'm standing on it. I'm not backing off of it. Nothing's going to deter me. Nothing's going to uh, cause me to look to the left or the right or waver. I will weary not in well-doing because I know my God is going to cause me to, to reap if I faint not. If I faint not, I'm not going to faint. And what keeps you going is because you know the intent of the word. You know the intent of the word. When you know God's will and are fully persuaded of it, you can pray in faith. And he tells us, Jesus said, Matthew 21, 22, whatever, whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Man, that's the power of faith. That's the power of faith. Whatever, he said, there's no limitation. It's not limited to a hangnail. It's not limited to a scratch on your knee. It, whatever things you ask when you pray. Believing you will receive. I mean, this reverse reveals to us that you're only limited by what you can believe based on the authority of God's Word. Don't let your belief be limited because you don't understand the intent of God's Word. Don't be discouraged by what others believe or don't believe. There's some people I just don't listen to. There's people I used to respect because they had a, a, a crowd that respected them. But then I began to hear what they say and it just doesn't line up with the intent of God's Word. I don't demonize them. I just say they got blinders on there. They can see clearly in some areas. In some areas they don't see clearly. And I'm not going to let them poison my well. I'm not going to let them poison. I don't, like I said, I don't talk bad about them. I just don't drink from their, what they're offering. Because you're not going to dissuade me from the Word of God. See, I need the Word. I don't need popularity. I need the Word. I'm in a real fight out here. I don't know about you, but I'm in a real fight. I know there's a real devil. And I know there are demons of hell. I know it. 
And I know there's principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness and high places working and manifesting against me. I know that. So I don't need your popularity. I don't need your approval as much as I need the power to come against the devil and to walk in the provision and the blessing that God has afforded unto me through his uh, redemptive nature and what he did through the atonement. Now, I, I love people. I don't want you to turn your back on me. I love you. But I'm telling you what, you're not going to poison my well when I understand the intent of God's word. There's living water here. And that's the water I want to drink of. I want to drink of the living water. And I think we can change the statistics of, of society as a people of God when we believe the God of the Bible and his holy word and stand on it no matter what. Never base your faith on past experiences, but rather on the Word of God. I'm telling you, there's a danger there. Because you're saying, well, other people are talking. I'm not listening. But you know, in my own life, here's what I've had to go through. Uh-uh-uh-uh. You're going to take the power of God's Word and limit it to your experience? I don't know about you, but I want a new experience. I want a new experience. Maybe days of old, I lost here and I lost there. But now I know that God, with God, there's only one way up from glory to glory and faith to faith and power to power and love to love. I'm the God, you know what? And my God is going to, he's the lifter of us. He's the lifter of us. You know what? I don't want to live on that low level of my past experience. I want to go to another level in Christ. Hallelujah. Never base your faith on your past experiences, but rather on the word of God and allow God's word to live big within you. You can do what he says you can do. You got to believe that. You can do what he says you can do. And you can be what his word of God says you are. He's called Gideon a mighty man of valor before he was ever. He was a coward hiding. But he called him out. His word is calling us out to be the head and not the tail. And above only and not beneath. And blessed coming in and blessed going out. His word is calling us out to be a, a, a changer, an agent changer of this in this society that we live in. A little old peon from nowhere. He wants to use you to shift the culture and to shift the world in the right way. Hallelujah. You can be what his word says you are. God's word will put you over in life, for it is a life and healing of your flesh that he wants to take place. He wants you well. He's not against you getting healed. He's not against you getting blessed. He's not against you getting delivered. And I feel like I've come here tonight to teach that. God is showing me that and I'm teaching that. And, and, and I take the scripture from 1 Timothy 4 and 6. This I claim as I close tonight. I claim this for myself. He says, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ nourished in the words of faith, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. And Paul said as he was even writing this, he says, you follow me as I follow Christ. And I would say to you here at Christian Embassy, I, I, I'm not lifting myself up to be any person that needs a following, but I can tell you this, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. And if you want to follow someone who's following Jesus Christ, you come on, follow me. But don't put your eyes on me. You look at who I'm following. It's Jesus Christ. 
You can check him out for yourself. You can have a personal relationship with him for yourself. You can learn his word for yourself. You can walk in the power of his word for yourself. Hallelujah. He's a good, good God. He's a good God. Brother Johnny, we always greet each other and I say, God is good. And he says, all the time. I can't even get it out of my mouth. All the time. And all the time, God is good. Good, good God. Hallelujah. So I've instructed, instructed you, the children of God, this evening in these things of God's Word. And Jesus says, I'm a good minister. God says, I'm a good minister of Jesus Christ. I received that. I received that. Nourished in the words of faith. I pray this evening you've been nourished, nourished in the words of faith, that your faith has taken on just like I know you want to, you know, we all plan on going out and eating and eating at home and plan our meals and all this stuff because we know we got to eat to live. In order to stay healthy and strong and grow, we got to eat. We make sure our children eat. But let me tell you what, you can't live by bread alone. You got to learn to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We've come here tonight and we've been nourished on the words of faith and that of good doctrine, which means good teaching good teaching, right teaching, godly teaching, which you have carefully followed. So let's follow it. Let's go out there and live it. Let's go out there and give the devil, I don't know if you can say this in church or not, but give the devil hell. You know, I don't, you know that don't even feel right. But I'm just like, I just, ugh, I just feel like, ugh. let's go again. It's time to put the devil out of business in our neighborhood, in our home, right? We can't stop all he's doing. Jesus has got a day that's going to stop. But we can put a stop to it in our body. We can put a stop to it in our life. And he may send, he may send a tormentor. He may send a, an ambassador to keep coming against us. But if he comes against us one way, he's got to flee ten ways. Hallelujah. Because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Yes, we've got to take our shield of faith and quench these fiery darts. We're in war. There's a day coming, the war will be over. We're in war, I understand that. But let me tell you what, you will not hold up that shield of faith and you'll start taking those fiery darts if you don't believe the intent of God's Word that the victory is yours. The victory is yours. You are not to be a casualty of war. We, we had a casualty of war, and that was Jesus. But let me tell you what, on the third day, that casualty turned into a supernatural delivering power for the people that would come by faith to follow him that you and I can walk in victory today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is great. God is awesome. God is more all-powerful. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. Lord God, we just lift up our hands as a sign that we lift up our hearts. We lift up our countenance. We lift up our beings unto you tonight. And we say, Lord God, you are supreme. You are Lord. You are all-powerful and worthy, worthy, worthy to be praised and worthy to be honored and worthy to receive the glory. Hallelujah. And Lord God, here on earth, you want us to be the moon reflecting the shine, shining ray of you, Jesus, the sun. So here we are. We align ourselves with you. And we're not going to let the devil destroy. We're not going to let the devil lie. We're not going to let the devil pull the wool over our eyes any longer. We're not going to let the devil talk us out of our inheritance and talk us out of our victory. No! We align ourselves with you that we could be the radiance of you here on earth. Your will 
your kingdom. Let it come here on earth as it is in heaven, in our lives, in our homes, in our bodies. In the name of Jesus, we come against all sickness right now. Just take authority over your temple right now. I come over, I come against all sickness in my body right now. And in the name of Jesus, I evict you. You gotta go. This is legally done. You cannot stay. I'm not putting up with you another day. I'm not putting up with you another week. I'm not putting up with you another hour. You gotta pack it. Nope, don't even pack it up. Go! I'll throw your stuff in the garbage. You gotta go. I got the eviction order you gotta go you sickness go you poverty go you demon spirits go you lion spirits go you depression spirits go you spirits of bondage go you spirits of lust go you spirits go in the name of Jesus I'm cleaning house and I'm cleaning it right now the intent of the word says that my body is to be the temple of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost brings healing and the Holy Ghost brings deliverance and the Holy Ghost brings provision and the Holy Ghost Ghost brings a joy and the Holy Ghost brings power and the Holy Ghost brings authority and this is the temple of the Holy Ghost Holy Ghost have your way Holy Ghost come Holy Ghost fill me Holy Ghost flow through me Holy Ghost I welcome you Holy Ghost fill this house fill this temple as I give myself to you and I stand on the word I believe the word I'm going to hold on to the word I'm going to meditate on the word I'm going to speak the word to myself I'm going to speak the word out loud I'm going to hear the word and faith is going to come I'm going to speak the word and faith is going to come I'm going to plan on the word and faith is going to come I'm going forward over this thing I'm going forward in victory I'm going forward healed of the Lord I'm going forward empowered by the Spirit of God. I'm going forward to advance the kingdom of God. I have an assignment here on this earth. I have an assignment in this day and this hour. I have an assignment here. And ain't no plan of hell going to stop the assignment of God. I rise and I shine for the glory of the Lord is risen upon me. I see the Word. I know the Word. I stand on the Word. So the storms come, but they must pass. The wind blows but it must cease uh, and the enemy tries to tear me down uh, but I'll still be standing I'll still be standing uh, because I'm building on the word uh, which is the rock of my salvation hallelujah hallelujah glory to your name glory to your name glory to your name hallelujah Bible talks about the power of agreement. There's so much power in agreement. Maybe you need somebody to stand in agreement with you in prayer. We have prayer ministers. If you would come and make yourselves available. Our prayer ministers have studied the Word of God. Our prayer ministers fast periodically. Our prayer ministers come together and they want to be there for you to stand in agreement to see the power of God manifest. So if there's a struggle, if, there's a, if there seems to be a hard place, let me tell you what, that power of agreement can manifest itself and break you through, break you out of that hard place. So they're here. They want to stand with you in prayer. If you need prayer, come on up. We're going to close around the altar praying, giving you the opportunity to do that. I'm telling you, a third of the angels fell with Satan, but two-thirds stayed on God's side. we got twice as many angels for us. 
as we have against us, we've got the Father, we got the Son, we got the Holy Ghost, we got the Word, we got the blood of Jesus, we got the name of Jesus, we got the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And then on top of all of that, he says, I'm going to give you agreement. I'm going to give you agreement. One can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand, twenty of you can put ten septillion to flight if you'll come together and agree. These prayer ministers are here to stand in agreement with you. If you need prayer this evening, don't leave here letting the devil have any upper hand in your life. We preach the word, we're demonstrating the word, we're giving you an opportunity to act on the word right now. the opportunity a prayer of agreement Hallelujah. to break every chain to break every chain to break every chain in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus thank you thank you Hallelujah. 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 for you that are here still in the congregation I want you to pray pray for those that have come home to just begin to lift them up say Lord God we just pray for victory in their life tonight we pray for healing in their life tonight we pray for breakthrough in their life tonight we pray for that next level hallelujah that next level in their life tonight hallelujah Lord, we come together in the name of Jesus we come together in the power of the word we come together by the spirit of God Lord we thank you for giving us the intent of your word so that we know what you want. We know what you provide. We know by faith what we can believe and receive. And Lord, there's every one of us here is in a war in one area or another. Satan, don't play fair. There's some of us, sickness has tried to attack us. But we're not going to accept it anymore. We're not going to live just taking it. We're going to put up a fight. We're going to take our shield of faith now that we know what to believe. We're going to take our shield of faith and you said it would quench every fiery dart of the enemy. So Lord God, thank you for helping us understand. Thank you, Lord God. Lord, I still have so much to learn, but thank you that you opened my eyes on this because I used to be so sick, Lord. I used to live with so much sickness in my body, so much pain that I, I just didn't know how I could live anymore that way. But God, you showed me that I could have faith to believe, to fight against, and to receive the supernatural power of your healing. So Lord, I know that's where my passion comes from because I've been there and I know what it's like. And Lord, I, don't, I know you don't want to see any of your children suffer without knowing what is available to them. So Lord God, I, I still, Lord, the devil still tries to come against my health. He still tries to come against my health. But Lord, I don't take it anymore. I say war on, battle on, battle on. You got my white blood cells working and you got my red blood cells working and you got this and that working to try and fight it off. I'm going to fight it off by faith as well. Hallelujah. Lord, the same with the spirit of poverty. Lord, I lived under it. I, 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 I had lack of that to eat under the spirit of poverty always under always short always suffering but lord god you showed me the intent of your word 
was for us to be blessed. The intent of your word was that we would leave an inheritance to our children and our children's children. And you said that we would have access for those that were without and those that were in need, that we could help those, that we could help the underprivileged, that we could finance the kingdom, that we could send out missionaries around the world. You said, Lord God, that we could help finance the advancement of your kingdom. Lord, I thank you for that revelation. I thank you. And now we want everyone to see it, that they're not bound to always be so stressed and with less. Lord, we stand in agreement tonight. Lord God, we stand with your word. We thank you for showing us the intent of your word because we know your word works if we've got faith to work your word. So I pray that we will change our talk. We will change our walk in a way that aligns ourselves with your word in a powerful way. Now, Lord God, I pray your blessings upon each and every one. Holy Spirit, help seal your, the seed of the word that we've received into good soil in our lives, that the enemy don't come and steal it, that it can produce a 30, 60, or 100 full fruit through our lives. Lord God, let your blessings and your favor be upon each and every one as we go in this night. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.